is I see it going, you know, in two different directions, you know, either using and harnessing data and finding story in the data, right, to help inform a brand or anyone's journey. What is the story that we're being told that our audience and our consumers are telling us, et cetera, or a brand that has a story using data to reaffirm and prove or disprove some of those hypotheses. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. So Jason, we've got a good one on on tap today. You know, we're we're going to skip our normal like banter for 10 minutes or so about whatever and we're just going to dive right in. So we've got two guests with us today. So rejoining us is is Stephen Marshall. He was on a, a few episodes ago. Um so Stephen, you know, the the CMO of the East Tennessee State University Research Corporation whose purpose is building academic industry partnerships. So in that episode, we had Stephen and Ashley Marshall on. And Stephen, there was something that you said that triggered an idea for a whole series of episodes. And you said, story is the glue for new facts and information. And just that line, like, all of a sudden the ideas started to flow, the, the power of story. So we, we've recently started a series of episodes focusing on stories, story and data, uh, story and sales and whatnot. So one of the things we didn't get to in that episode with, with Ashley and yourself is talk around the work that you're doing with, with brand storytelling. So I'm like, let's not wait too long. Let, let's get another episode planned. So that's today's episode. So, Stephen, we have yourself with us. And also joining us for the first time is, is Chase Friedman, uh, the founder and CEO of Vanquish Media Group, a digital marketing collective specializing in brand strategy development, development and marketing for entertainment uh, for brands and storytellers. Uh, VMG has managed more than 100 brand, film and television, and integrated digital campaigns across multiple distribution windows and platforms. So Chase, welcome. It's it's great to have you. And if our conversation in the green room was anything like, you know, gave us any clue to what today was going to be like, it, it's going to be great. So I guess real quick to, to start us off, um, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. How did you get into to digital marketing? You want me to go? <laughs> yeah, they've all yeah. they've heard of, they've heard from me, man. They, they know they, Steven's uh, tale. Um, well, as I was sharing with you guys, you know, my background is not in marketing. Um, it is actually in storytelling. Um, I came up as an independent filmmaker, writer, director, producer uh, in in TV and film, um, and so story is in my DNA. And, and quite frankly, I say that all the time, but it's in everyone's DNA. We're, our heart, our brains are hardwired for story, right? But that was what I did for a number of years before kind of getting more into the brand space and helping brands guide the evol- then evolving landscape and still evolving of what is brand content? How can a brand tell stories? 
What does that look like? How are you reaching people? How are you connecting? Um, but it's not just the story. It's, uh, as you guys know, in the marketing world, it's other components of you can tell a great story, but you know it can still fall flat if you're not connecting and resonating with the right people in the right ways. So my work, my company has evolved from uh, being able to tell great stories with brands and to be able to deploy that through a digital marketing strategies that, quite frankly, are designed to activate communities and audiences, stories the tip of the spear towards a greater conversation and movement, right? So what do we do with that now that we've told that story? And that's kind of the exciting part that, you know, we're doing a lot of that work with brand storytelling. And it's amazing to reflect back on where it started to where it is now, brand storytelling, people get it when you tell them, most do. Whereas back then it's, well, we're a brand. What do we have in the business and, and storytelling? I, I love that. And when I when I read the notes and on, on your background, Chase, I'm like, this is going to be a fun episode um, because I think we have so much to learn from other disciplines. And I love your your backstory coming from independent film and using the skills uh, that you developed in that to to focus on on brand building is is such an amazing uh, thing to talk about. And you know, I have an opportunity to talk a with a lot of up and coming analysts and they always ask me, you know, how should I hone my higher education path to focus on being the greatest analyst? Like what math and stats? I'm like, yeah, all that's important, but go broad because everything you learn is going to apply. In fact, I tell them one of my favorite hires at a previous company was I hired a gal whose background was in forensic investigation, criminal investigation as a forensic uh, investigator. And she turned out to be one of the best web analysts that I ever hired. Like the skills that she brought from that forensic analysis background were, were amazing. And um, I think storytelling brand building in 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 a field that can be really boring like math and data to most people we have such an opportunity to to view it from a brand building technique uh, strategy from a storytelling strategy and create more entertainment to help educate it's such a cool opportunity and that's why i'm super excited that uh you're joining us for this episode yeah i mean again i'm mystified by the work that you guys do that that, that is not you know uh, where I come from, but that is what I'm, I've always been intrigued by, right? And this is what's great about this multidisciplinary approach is kind of stretching muscles on both sides of the brain where great storytelling is phenomenal, but you need the data and the analytics to, to back it up and continue to refine that message and optimize that message. So when it comes together the right way, it's a beautiful marriage. Yeah. And I think that that's something that we've internally talked a lot about is that oftentimes you're very heavy on one side or another. Again, if we're just all data and the stats and all these calculations we did, we lose our audience. It's not that there, our audience isn't incredibly smart. These are very you know intelligent business people, but they don't spend all day doing math. And and when we, when we take it to that level, it gets you know very hard to communicate. We also have people in this industry, I'm sure you see it in the brand and marketing space as well, that are very heavy on, we tell really great stories, but there's no substance underneath it. It's very hollow. So how do we take like the substance and, and the ability to, to wrap a really meaningful, memorable story around it? That to me is the ideal. You have, you have the best of both worlds where you have substance, which oftentimes gets lost because of the minutia of the details. And you have story, which brings that to life. When those two, you, what did you call it, a beautiful marriage? When that happens, it's it's amazing and something that in our industry, I think we have a long way to go to mature to think about ourselves as as storytellers. Um, 
And just one quick aside, and then I'm going to let you guys talk more than I talk. When I ran, I ran analytics for an online dating company and I was very new in the job and we had some incredible data scientists and I'm, and I met with our executive team once a month and, and one of the meetings I brought the data scientists with me, like, this is going to be great. They're going to talk about these forecasting models and all these great stats that we're, we're doing. And they did. And I thought it was so great. I was so excited. We walked out of the meeting, the, the CEO literally grabbed me by the back of my shirt, pulled me into an empty office. He said, never do that again. That we keep them down in the basement, crunching numbers for a reason. We hired you to translate what they're saying and come talk to us for a reason. And that story stuck with me many, many years later. That's so so interesting because there, there are, I mean, there are textbooks now around data storytelling, right? Um, And there, there are entire, there's, there's, there are courses that you can, that you can take, take around that. I mean, I know we're on, we're guests on your podcast, but but I'm curious to know your thoughts around where that's going, and um, and and you know, it, it, and 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 what you've looked at is it hitting the right points based on on the work that you're doing? Because because I think level setting the word storytelling is is and especially brand storytelling, which we, we can talk about in a bit, has has gotten is has gotten used in a lot of different ways, you know, and, and some of them not, not in the ways that Chase or I would really think about brand storytelling. I had a, I had a, a friend I, I worked with at an agency locally here um, for a number of years. I walk, I was walking into a place and I saw my friend that was work, still work there. And, and it, clearly they were doing a shoot. There were cameras and lights and, and um, it was, the place was closing um, after hours kind of thing, which is when you do that. And I was like, what's up, dude? And he's like, doing some brand storytelling. And I was like, hmm, eh. <laughs> <No>, probably not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've, we, we've seen actually agencies popping up over the last five years or so that have been specifically focused on storytelling with data. Um, mm-hmm. I think as an industry, we've been reluctant to adopt it because when we think storytelling, we're like, oh, well, we're, we're, we're crafting a script, we're crafting a narrative. And, and it's not our job to, uh, you know, sway the data or what the data is saying to, you know, our perspective or a story we're trying to tell with it. We're, we should let the data speak for itself, itself. But I think we've done a huge disservice by rejecting the importance of being able to communicate through story. We're not, we're not talking about changing the the story of the data itself we're not saying hey you know marketing is going to be mad because the data is telling the wrong story so we'll tell a better story by fake we're not saying that at all we're saying how can we better communicate through story what the data is is saying and because we haven't done that we've failed to be interesting honestly you know we're we're not novel or new or and 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 it's very difficult to get into these business executive level conversations talking again about mathematical models and formulas like that's not what they're interested in they're interested in well how is this data going to help me better understand my customer so we can create better experiences for them and when we get caught up in our kind of craft of well let me tell you about this calculation i mean we lost them Mm -hmm. and so i think we have a, a lot of catching up to do to use story as a way to better communicate what it is that we do well what 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 it does right is it's that common language that anybody can speak right you know everyone has watched film and television and i mean story is hardwired into our you know 
into our nature. So it is that common language from marketers or brands or data analysts. We can speak in those same terms. And what's interesting about the data is I see it going, you know, in two different directions, you know, either using and harnessing data and finding story in the data, right, to help inform a brand or anyone's journey. What is the story that we're being told that our audience and our consumers are telling us, et cetera, or a brand that has a story using data to reaffirm and prove or disprove some of those hypotheses, right? But it's the great equalizer. So it's not just something to, you know, manufacture a story that sounds good, to have substance and quite frankly, the proof and authenticity to back it up, you've got to have the data. Um, and I think that's what gives you all, you know, quite frankly, that, um, you know, that double-edged sword. Um, call people's bluff on it or show them that there is a slightly different nuanced take on what their hypothesis is, is thinking and telling them. Yeah. And unless we're invited into the room to have that conversation, we don't even have that opportunity. And so getting that common language, I think that's the right, the right term to think about enables us that opportunity to have that conversation and then to use story to better um, explain and talk about what the data is, is actually saying. And, and again, it's such a, a powerful, powerful tool that we've unfortunately been very reluctant to adopt. And now we need to be, to play catch up. Um, so I'm interested, Chase, in, in kind of what your advice would be if, you know, if, if we came to you as a company or a team and said, hey, you know, we have all this great value we think we offer to our organization, but, you know, we're just not interesting. We're failing to capture an audience. Mm -hmm. You know, how can we catch up on storytelling? Like, what advice would you have for someone that knows that this is important, but they don't know where to start? Well, it's a great question. And, and you know, Stephen kind of nodded to it earlier, but I, I believe, you know, you've always got to start with, you know, what's your purpose and what's your why? Like, why do, why do you, what do you believe and why do you, why do you exist, right? Um, what do you believe as a company that is important? Okay, we believe in the power of data to um, inform, you know, people and, and companies for success, right? Um, we exist to, and in your case, maybe aspirational, tell, learn to tell people, teach people to tell a better story through data, right? You've got to know that why that is your guiding force through everything else. From there, it's the how and the what. Okay, how are we unique and differentiated and delivering on that why and what it is we actually do? Okay, we provide data services, what have you. But if you're looking at it through a story framework, right? And I kind of love this story brand architecture that we use with our clients. It's starting with, you know, who is your character that you're speaking to? Get really clear. Who am I speaking to? Is it a business owner? Is it a marketer? Is it a C-suite? Whomever. And then what is the problem that they are struggling with, right? What is the problem that I am here to try and address and resolve for them? Their external elements, the internal elements, philosophical. What is that challenge and our problem? It's your job as the guide, not the hero in this, in this story, in this journey, but as the guide to help them resolve that. And how are you going about doing that? But if you start to unpack it in these common ways, right? Hey, we get it. Speak to them empathetically. We know that UX brand are struggling to make sense of why you are not succeeding, growing, whatever their directive is, right? And we know that's frustrating and you can be overwhelmed by data and um, uh, you feel paralyzed by it, right? We're here to make sense of it and help tell a greater story so that you and your team can feel empowered and not paralyzed, right? So taking them through your own, their own story framework, they are the hero of this journey. You are the God. You have that superpower to help resolve and transform them from problem to success. 
Yeah. So you said a word there that I want to dig into a bit more and, and kind of get your strategy. I think you said know your audience or understand your audience. The importance of knowing who you're presenting to is is so critical. And again, I don't want to be overly critical of, of our industry, but we we tend to take a one size fits all approach where it doesn't matter. Most if we're talking people do, quite frankly. Yeah. 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 And so whether we're, to, whether we're talking to the CEO or the VP of engineering, we're using the exact same language or story and it may resonate with one, but not the other. And, and as you were speaking, I, uh, I, I kind of got a flash of, I think it was it Tommy boy where he's uh, at the auto manufacturer and, and he's like reading all the technical specs on the box. Yeah. And the guy's like, you're losing me. And, he's, and then he's like, he instantly switches. like, okay, so your family's driving. You don't want your family to crash and burn in a fight, right? Like he instantly is like, Oh, it's a different audience. So um, how do you work with your clients to like hone that skill of identifying because it's one thing to say, okay, this is the CEO versus the VP of engineering, but I think it's even more nuanced than that. Like, how do you identify the needs of your audience? That's a, I mean, I'm, I'm going to jump in real quick just to say I'm going to use the Tommy Boy piece in my next <laughs> class, um, <laughs> illustrating that. That's such, so, that's such a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. All right, I'm sorry. I'll be quiet. No, it's great. I mean, look, that is a fabulous question. Um, that is a sticking point for us, quite frankly, working with clients. Clients give us a list of, okay, here's our, our 10 to 12, you know, audience personas. It's like, wait a minute, 10 to 12 different people you're speaking to. And, and that's okay. But how do you refine that into kind of a customer archetype or persona, right? Um, a bucket, a character that represents a certain interest and demographic and uh, an archetype. Um, it's, it's not easy, but you need to break it into individual pieces, you know, there's clients that think that they're serving both B2B and B2C and multiple elements of that. You know, what this what story is designed to do is to tell a clear and coherent message. And if you try to layer it with too many for too many people with too many competing problems, you get lost. People tune out. Right. We're bombarded with thousands of messages every day. We don't have time. We are going to check out instantaneously. So unless you are super clear and concise and consistent in that story framework for an individual person you're trying to target from beginning to end, you are going to lose them, right? You have to keep them in that story loop. So, you know, part of that is absorbing what they think they know about their customers. And quite frankly, going and doing stakeholder customer interviews using data to reaffirm or clarify or disprove those hypotheses, right? Here's what you want your clients to be, but here's actually what they are and what they want and what they represent and finding that common middle ground. So both can be in agreement and then we move forward. But it, but like you mentioned, if you can't get that right, it's really tough to get anything else in alignment the rest of the way. And going back to what Jim had mentioned at the top of the, the podcast is and from the last podcast, how do you, how, when it's too complex, how does it transfer? Like, so, so in other words, if you think about an old school water cooler, you know, like the water cooler talk, which was, you know, I went to the water cooler to get some water and I shared a story with somebody there. That's mm -hmm. the water cooler thing, right? If it's freaking complex, how do you do that? Like, how, do, how does that story, how do you tell that story while you're, you're, you know, getting your water and, and, and then have them tell that story to someone else and have them tell that, you know, that that's, that's, that's the, the packaging of what well, we're talking about, right? Like that's that's how you package it is to is to take complexity and and simplify it um, so that and and even 
brand storytelling as an amazing organization that works with brands needs help. Like, because we have multiple personas and we have multiple things that we're trying to do. And, and, you know, and that's where Chase and I became partners on this mission around brand storytelling plus, which we will, we will definitely plug at some point. Um, but, but that's, but that we, we, as experts in this space, we still needed a guide. Oh yeah. Right. Um, and, and so, and I, and I'm a freaking PhD expert and I teach this stuff. And by the way, I needed a guide, like, you know, because, because who can, who can make the, the simple complex academics? We're like really good at that. Right. So, um, and pressure testing stuff. So I didn't mean to jump on you there, Chase, but. No, I, just, I mean, you're saying all the right, look, you're absolutely right. I, I love to get an outside perspective on, on our work, on my work. Sometimes I'm too close to it for my own company, my own brand, but the, the, the key honestly is, is the client or whoever you're working with willing to be vulnerable with themselves and the company around, there's some things I might not know and that's okay. And we're here to figure it out together, right? The first step we do with any company, you know, we get clients coming to us, hey, I need a social media campaign or a, you know, collaborator, you know, paid media or influencer. We're like, okay, pump the brakes. Let's, let's measure twice, cut once, right? The first stage is discovery. You know, we try to dig deep with them in kind of a brand blueprint, as we call it, to really audit where they are today and schedule, you know, create a roadmap for where they want to go. And part of that starts with that brand identity guide. And if getting clear on that is absolutely essential because it paves the way for everything else to work in concert. I don't care whether you've got, you know, a big organization or five people, I guarantee you most companies, each, each person in that company, they're pitching the company in a different way in their own language and their own version and who they are, and who they serve and what they do. And that's confusing, right? Um, so if we're not operating on the same playbook, right, you know, take a football analogy, everyone's not running off the same plays, the same playbook, one man is off, the play falls apart, it's not gonna work. Yeah, and, and that's something that we've struggled with as a company, we're, we're going into our, our 10th year of, of being in business. And one of the things that we've tried incredibly hard to do is create consistency in that story. I mean, we're a boutique, we're, we're a small company. And I, I use the analogy of a hotel. It's like, why would you pay a premium to go to a boutique if at the front desk, you talk to Jim, and then you see Jason out by the pool, and you get two different experiences and stories, yeah. we need to have a consistent narrative and story. And it's hard hard it's really hard to do it's very it's it's extremely hard to do um but it's it is worth its weight in gold and then some uh that investment is is 10x everything else because you can run any number of marketing tactics tools yeah. campaigns growth hacks <laughs> not gonna work you're yeah. using the wrong the, the wrong story the wrong foundation for the wrong people um but again no one's immune to it yeah i'm a storyteller we are and we struggle with it every day, but that's why we need to be open up and say, it's okay. We don't have all the answers or we think we know, but hey, guys guys that know data, can you help us reaffirm this or tell us what we're missing? You got to stress test it. Yeah, I, I think it's such an important point, regardless of of the field or focus. That, and, and in fact, Jim, we recorded an episode with Evan LaPointe not too long ago on this very topic. So Evan is a friend of ours. Um, who is a founder and CEO of a, a company called Core? Um, previously, had, had created a company and sold to to Adobe. Um, and we were talking to him about the importance of having of having mentors and and the pushback mm -hmm. that you know it's like oh I'm at a certain point in my career or I've got this or I'm an expert 
and using the sports analogies, I've always told people, it's like, well, look at Kobe in his prime. Look at Jordan. Look at Tiger Woods. Did they fire their coaches when they were winning? No, they hired, like they invested more in having mentors and yeah. guides, the better and better they got. And I think it's healthy to say we don't have all the answers and we want to get better. And even though we may be elite, we, we still want more. And to do that, we're going to go out and find and partner with, with experts to help us get better. I think that's a healthy way to view it. It, it totally, I mean, it totally is. And we've talked about this on, on this, on your podcast. It, it's what drives me and it drives my classroom, right? Is, is, is the humility. I mean, it's hum, humility is a, such a superpower. Um, I mean, it, it is, it's just truly it, when, when you can get to a point where you're fine saying, I don't know, but I'm going to find out, or can you please come in and help me, even though I'm an expert and I teach this and, you know, and done amazing stuff. I, I need, I need help. You know, I know I do. And so, um, because that, the, the frameworks and stuff, just in the short time that I've been with chase that, and the way that he's thought about this, which, which by the way, and something we haven't really talked about, but much of the work I, I won't, I, I'm speaking for chase and I just about to say, I won't speak for chase, but I'm about to, um, is, is and one of the reasons that I was so attracted to, to working with him was that he's driven by working with companies that also have purpose, Right. Um, and so, and when you look at the landscape of today, when you look at younger consumers, Gen Z's and younger brands have to do things that are going to make an impact in the world. And, and they have the power to, by the way, I mean, mm -hmm. in, in a lot of ways, more powerful, more agile than governments and, and other kinds of nonprofit organizations. Um, I mean, brands are nonprofits, but, 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 um, they have the potential to 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 jump in and do things quicker, more profoundly, and and if they do them authentically, then they they can they can win customers. They will win customers. Do you and and the data there's there's and Chase could just rattle off a ton of data around this, but 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 the point is the data is there, and as we're we're looking into like out of the pandemic and. And, you know, recession or not, whatever, there's a lot of things that folks are going, what do we need to cut? What do we need to cut back on? Yeah. How do we, how do we differentiate ourselves in, in a marketplace where there's just a, a real parity and, and brands are looking to go, what can we do? That's more than what we, we thought we were, or just that experience. Yeah. So quick comment. And then a question back to both of you. I couldn't agree more. I think. Uh, the it's been a th it's been three tough years of business macro wise, um, but I think that's incredible opportunity to stand out. the The marketplace, regardless, is it's just so crowded and and noisy. This is a an amazing time and story and brand is a great way to elevate uh, above that. Um, do you so you mentioned kind of the importance of uh, especially with younger buyers that are coming into more financial uh, wealth. Do you see the importance of having a purpose accelerating? Because I think we can pull that right out of Simon Sinek's TED Talk from what was it, 15 years ago, where he talked about mm -hmm. people know by what you do, they buy why you do it. Do you see that trend accelerating? So, I mean, just as this is like chum in the water for me. I mean, the truth, the, the truth is, is, you know, and I was inspired by that back in the day, too. And, and he's spot on with start with why. 
And back then, and, and even a matter of a few years ago, it was more of a feel good, do good, you know, more of an ethereal thing to aspire to. But what is so exciting and I get so jazzed about is we have overwhelming data and proof that, and I'm like, I'll repeat this twice, brand purpose drives growth, like brand purpose driving growth for business, right? And that's in all aspects from people are willing to pay more for, for purpose-driven brands that align with their values. They are more willing, you know, they're more willing to purchase uh, employees and job candidates uh, want to work for values-driven and purpose-driven companies that align with their beliefs and core values. Investors want to invest in sort of ESG-focused and brand, you know, and brand-purposed organizations. So, at every aspect of your business, infusing it with authentic brand purpose will help drive growth. So, we're starting to see the data right now. It's already overwhelming. I mean, just to throw a few at you, like customers are four to six times more likely to buy from trust and champion and companies companies with a purpose, right? Um, and then something like 80 something percent of leaders agree that purpose add value to talent recruitment, retention, engagement, you know, companies are bleeding employees, there's turnover, right? They're losing market share to your point in a more crowded marketplace to more white noise. So how do you stand out? And we already talked about story, that's essential. But that's no longer just enough. Like you can tell a, a cool, compelling story, and it can still ring hollow or flat. Audiences are way too savvy. And they will call, I don't know if we can do bullshit. No, we can. We can. Um, we can yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, they can call bullshit on a brand that tells a good story and even maybe purports and talks the talk of a good uh, purpose, but isn't delivering on it. Yeah. Right? So you still have to infuse your story with the why and walk that talk, you know, bridging promise and performance. Um, you know, I don't even know if I answered your question. I kind of. No, no, no. But the, the data is already overwhelming and it's continuing to not only prove it, but what I'm excited about, and this is like my purpose, uh, is, is empowering other purpose-driven organizations to help deliver more impact or profit with purpose because you can have both. They, people think of them at, you know, as mutually exclusive. They're not. You can profit with purpose. And some of the numbers and more I shared with you are, are proof in that about yeah. knowing your why and acting upon it. So I'm interested what guidance you would give to a company that came to you and said, Hey, we, you know, we're passionate. We have a purpose. We have a why we've developed a, a cult, small cult following of people that get it, but we failed to resonate with the larger market. You know, the larger market sees us as just a transactional business where, you know, it's just a business transaction, I guess, a, is it important or do you need to break outside of that small cult following to have a bigger market? And if so, B, what guidance would you give them to take what they've been able to have as kind of grassroots and make it more broadly applied to the larger market? I mean, I think it's a great, uh, great question. At first, it, it determines on what industry you're in, you know, can you succeed and thrive and start serving kind of that cult audience? Or, you know, do you have that aspiration to kind of grow? Um, again, we've been talking about it, but the, the greatest vessel or conduit to share and, and showcase that purpose is through story, right? So are you getting that story out there in the world? How are you sharing it? Um, how are you delivering on it? Um, I believe that it's got to be a top-down approach. You know, you need a leader of an organization needs to be fully committed in, the, in their strategy of the organization guided by that purpose, but it can't be just 
forced down people's throats. You mentioned earlier employees that work for an organization that may not be inspired by the work they do. Asking your employees and your stakeholders, what is your why? What is your purpose? You know, why are you here and, and, and how does that align with our, our values as a brand? Those are your best ambassadors to help tell that story. It's one thing to push things out on social media and communicate it from the top out. But if you get people that are boots in the ground that believe it and actively talk about it and embrace that story, there's a multiplier effect, right? Um, you know, that's, to me, that's kind of where it starts. Um, and again, it, it, it's got to be more than just a mandate put up on a, on a poster on the wall. This is what we believe, you know, manifest that. All right, well, what are you planning to do about it? Right? Who's in most need of this? Um, there's a thing called purpose paradox that you know companies are suffering from, and it's kind of like the the cobbler that goes barefoot, right? A lot of these companies are purported to do good out in the world through purpose, and they're not even looking internally at their own stakeholders, their own employees. What are we doing to do good for us and our team first, and then we can go out and do greater good in the world? So align those priorities. What what's what comes first? Jim, I'm, as usual, I tend to ask a lot of questions, but I don't want to leave you out. If you have questions or, or places you want to guide the conversation, please feel free to jump in because I can keep asking tons of questions. No, no, no. The big question I had was around the authenticity, which we just naturally got into. So, yeah, I mean, continue firing away. I think in, in our world of of social and and. AI and like all these things that um, have already been happening, happening. I mean, um, if you're not I, I, going back to Jim, you, you just teed it up. So I was going to smack at it, you know, authenticity. It, if you're not, if, if you, if you say like Chase said, if you say something and then, but you're not, your behavior doesn't illustrate that. I, I mean, I always tell, I tell everybody like, you know, the best communication is, is looking at behavior. And, and, and people make choices. You know, I always tell students, like students go, Oh, I just couldn't, I just couldn't find your classroom. That's why I was late the first day. I'm like, if I were giving out a hundred dollar bills, you would have found it. <laughs> right. I mean, if I, if I sent an email and said, you know, the first 10 in class get a hundred dollar bill, um, everybody would have made it on time. And, and so it's, it, you know, you made a choice like, and so it just wasn't important enough to you to, or, you know, I mean, to, 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 to plan ahead. I mean, I mean things happen and that kind of thing. But the, the point is that when you look at people's behavior over time, they, that's communicating things. And, and so when somebody says something and then they do something else that communicates something. And, and when you have that, that, that disconnect between what we're saying are, uh, is off, what we're authentic about and what we're actually doing that is going to get exposed very quickly in our world today. Yeah. So, and, so I, I want to pull. Tell, right? yeah. I, I want to pull on that authenticity thread a bit more. And Chase, I want to dive into your background in in independent film because I think there's some some real parallels there. I, um, I'm a film nerd, um, but I like very raw film. I love like low budget documentary, true independent film back when like the Sundance independent film channel really was independent film. I think yeah. at one point in time, I probably went too far. And when I got really big into like, what was it? Dogma 95. And maybe that was way too of a raw film style, but like that, the authenticity of that really speaks to me. And I think our challenges is that like, we hear it, we hear the importance of being authentic, 
and then we see like the growth hack or the quick path to more building a bigger audience and we kind of sell out and then we kind of end up where we are today with like reality television which is 100% scripted and fake and not real so what advice do you have to like maintain that balance of authenticity when you have all these forces kind of pulling you saying yeah but just sell out a little bit and you can have like a million followers and make all this money even but to your point people see through the bullshit and that's not going to last a long time what advice do you have for them um, I mean, I'll give the advice that I had to learn myself. I mean, you know, I recently went through an inflection point where, you know, my company was doing well, we were thriving, we were growing, but I constantly woke up and asked myself, is it making a difference? Why am I doing this? Do I really love what I'm doing? You know, is it worth it? Um, it just wasn't, it wasn't fulfilling for me, right? And we were being led by our clients versus us leading our clients. And, you know, I had some things happen in my life that, you know, we're kind of a wake up call. And it got me to think really deeply around, you know, do some soul searching, what was important to me. Um, you know, I knew I loved educating and being educated. I knew I loved, you know, I knew I had strengths in storytelling. Um, uh, and I got more joy out of seeing, you know, our clients or people I worked with feel good about themselves and their brands, right? Like that's, I get that proxy adrenaline drip. When someone's super excited to share, you know, this asset, this new website, this new story that we've developed, this new piece of content, that's amazing, right? So helping people help themselves in a way. Um, and I realized that, quite frankly, the people that, that have a lot of passion for what they do, they're purposeful in their approach, it's baked in, um, but don't quite have the clarity on exactly how to navigate this crowded marketplace are some of these, you know, NGOs, nonprofits, and a lot of these smaller not, uh, purpose-driven organizations. So instead of reaching for the sky, and, and we still work with some big brands, it was how can we help, you know, more SMEs develop better practices so they can align that purpose, purpose and passion they have with that clarity. I had to find that for myself. I would sit every day and meditate. All right, please let me find this purpose, passion, and clarity on what I want to do with my life and career, right? And I'm still figuring out it's a lifelong endeavor, but if I can help others doing what I know how to do, um, find that for themselves, that's an amazing win. I think Jim is right. Kindred spirits is a, is a good word. Um, I, you know, I think we kind of stumbled into a similar approach because we, we work, as I mentioned with these massive billion dollar brands. And I think we had these aspirations that we could make a a real difference focusing on these these big companies and we we came to the realization that like we can't shift these massive billion dollar companies but what we can do is fundamentally change the life of the people we work with in these companies and the company has to benefit when we make them happier more fulfilled in their jobs show them there's a better way of of working so i love like how you talk through that in in your perspective because I mean, it's people, you know, we, we talk that it's business to business, but it's, it's people to people. We're working with people. Yeah. And, and the thing I'm most proud about, and I say this all the time about, you know, the, my company and we're small, but mighty is the team that, that we've built the camaraderie, the culture in my, in my team, because you can have clients that are difficult or come and go, but the constant is the people and culture you build around you. Right. Are we purposeful and resilient in the work so that when things are great, we can celebrate together and when things are tough, you know, we band together. Um, and I think that's, and I, and I think that's super important. I've never really had in other 
jobs, corporate jobs. I never had, I never experienced that. So I learned more about how to become a leader from what was missing and what I wanted. Um, and like I said earlier, I think it starts internally. You got to build that right, you know, ethos within your organization so that you can help others. Because if you're just trying to change the world and stuff at home is still broken, I mean. Yeah. So I'm interested in how you convince people that not only that they have a story, that they can be a storyteller, because I think a lot of us don't believe that we have the creativity or the skills to be able to do that. But uh, at one point in time, I had this idea that I wanted to create a documentary series where we would drive to some random small town, find some random person in a coffee shop and record their story, kind of a raw version of StoryCorps, because I, I truly believe that everyone has a unique story to tell and are great at telling their story, but they've convinced themselves otherwise. How do you break down that kind of mental barrier that people have constructed that I'm not creative, I can, I'm not a storyteller, I can't do that? I don't know, Steven, you want to go or should I mean? I'm fine with you going, dude. <laughs> um, look, you know, again, going back to vulnerability, it's all baked into our DNA, man. I don't care if you come from a film background or not. You watched, you said you watch documentaries, you know, everyone in some shape or form, whether you watch TV or not, or you read a book, um, it's all around us. It's just awakening those muscles and, and knowing that you don't have to be a master storyteller and do it in the right way. What I think has helped even me, and I come from this, is having a framework for what is story? What does it mean? When you can, when you can distill it down to a framework and a formula, because story is formula, right? You know, inciting incident, first act plot twist, midpoint, second act break, denouement, like that's formula. And if you break apart any story over history, there are elements of three-act structure and, you know, these plot points, um, hero's journey outlines it really well, you know, problem, you know, guide, process, transformation. There's commonalities in all of this. And so I think if you share with people what those bones and ingredients are, it kind of creates that light bulb, right? And giving them that framework to say, all right, well, here's the, who's the villain in your story, right? Who's the guide? What are you trying to achieve? What's the precipice of the unknown that you're trying to transcend? So I would just say, you know, um, again, I love the story brand framework that, you know, I'm kind of, you know, trained in. Um, Hero's Journey is another great one. Whatever it is, if you look, if, if you put this paradigm against any story in history, you're going to find nuances to the point where it's going to kind of ruin watching movies and shows for you because you're going to know what's going to happen. You're going to know the beats and you're going to start to know the elements which makes good story. That to me is the key to demystifying it. Um, it's already hardwired up here. You got to just show it to someone visually or on paper or on a worksheet and be like, you know the answers, just fill in. Give them mad libs. I don't care. You know, here's the problem in your, in your, in your story. I mean, whatever works for them, um, it, it resides upon yeah. a framework. I guarantee you they're going to have some compelling stuff to share. So, and, so and let's in dive our, into. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go, you're, I was going to say, in our, and I don't know if you're going to the brand storytelling community, but I, I would say in our community, and, and the reason that we're seeing so much of an up uptick in, in the brand storytelling community, which really was born in out of Sundance um, five years ago or so, pre-COVID, and and uh, Rick Parkhill, who's the, the, the director and CEO, had had some mutual friends, and Rick had bought, he, he's a serial entrepreneur, um, media publisher, had bought, had sold, started and sold a number of companies, iMedia being one of the 
the last ones and um, had some friends that said, hey, you know, there's this thing happening. Brands are coming to Sundance. They're looking for ideas. There's a whole community that's being created here. You did such an amazing job putting events together and and around iMedia. You should look into this. And and you fast forward from, let's call it 2016 to now, look at what has changed in the media landscape with streaming, with, with how we consume media, with um, interruptive um, and how interruptive, you know, commercials, um, in a, especially in a digital platform and a digital focus, um, have, have evolved in time. Look at what's happening with the cookie future and um, attribution and like all these different things that are kind of like, um, you know, tipping into the direction of, wow. And, and then also just the generational cultural expectations of media consu- consumption today, especially, you know, when we look at younger generations that we have to, we now I'm speaking as brands, we have to figure out a way that we can stand out that we can tell stories that are sticky, that that engage our audience, that make them that, that make them feel, and that's an important part of brand storytelling, emotion. It makes them makes them feel that there's an empathy connection here that makes sense. That brand is feels like me. It looks, you know, it it it's it, it, the the ultimate mic drop. And I know I know Jason, we've talked about, and and, and Jim, we've talked about, you know, our love of Patagonia. But, you know, the ultimate mic drop is like, yeah, I'm giving the company to the earth. Boom. You know, like that, like that's it. Right. So how do you, how do you buy another, you know, like when that's, when that is what the company culture is and, and, and it's authentic and everybody that is internal and external wearing and and buying that content, you know, and, and buying recycled gear and all these other things, that's, that's how they've, that they've looked, it becomes something that is such a proof point of, of authenticity and that's where brands are today is like in an, in this in this um, immersive media experience how do we connect and how do we create impact and how do we do it and it's through emotional character driven stories that align with the brand ethos and the brand values and entertain and inform an audience and and that can be in um in a TikTok, or that can be in a um, nearly two-hour, you know, five B documentary on on you know the ward in San Francisco that um, in the eighties that was really where the AIDS epidemic started, you know, popping in the sense of national recognition and and Johnson and Johnson said we want to we want to grab this moment in time, elevate it to be able to say, look at what amazing nurses and and amazing um, the strength and the tenacity and the grit of being human, what it looks like. Mm. And this is what our company actually is all about too. And, and so like that, that's, that's where going back to 2016 to now, that's where we're seeing so much of this, uh, of this, um, you know, movement, um, because it's, it's, it's a, it's a reflection point of, where we are today. So I'm going to use a word that you said as a segue to talk a, a bit more about specifics around what our listeners can can do tangibly as as next steps to 
learn more about story. So you said stickiness and uh, I, I love the book made to stick by the Heath brothers um, is, is a really good construct for, for me and how I think about things. So my question is, I'd love to hear from you paid things that you do from a paid perspective, maybe things you're creating for free or, or more, more broadly resources that might be out there. If, if I'm in charge of a brand, if I'm building a company, if, if just, I want to be more, um, effective in my communication through story, where can I start? Like if I'm a, if I'm a brand, can I come to you? What, what are your paid services? What do you do for free? Are there books I should be reading? Like it seems overwhelming. You mentioned a few frameworks, but I'm sure there's ways that we can start small and start to figure things out. So, so can I take the, the, the brand storytelling side of this and I'm going to pass it to Chase to talk about yeah, yeah. Uh, resources. And, and I mean, he's inspired me in the time that we've gotten to work together on these things, stuff that I, that I had no idea about. So, I mean, so yeah. when, when, if you go to brandstorytelling.tv, we've, we've got a platform called brand storytelling plus that's part of that. That's that platform. It has educational. We, we've talked again. I feel like we've talked about this on the podcast before, but but um, it, but it has education outreach. We have a, a we have a couple certifications on there. Um, one of them is Brand Film, which we launched last year in 2022. That that was really focused on more longer form types of content for brands to connect with audiences, and and our our trifecta approach to that is. To get a brand sponsor, so we ran two cohorts, one with Intel and one with Body Armor last last year. Um, the brand sponsor issues an RFP that then the participants in the cohort are able to answer the RFP. It's powered by East Tennessee State University and the the research corporation where I am, and we measure those learning outcomes to assign a cert certificate based on how folks answer those RFP questions. So we're looking for, we've embedded the learning outcomes within the RFP response mechanism. So we're, you know, we're, we're able to measure whether or not someone has, has the foundational pieces of the puzzle that they need to have the certification. Um, the course is taught by uh, SMEs that are the best in the game. So these are folks that are from our community who are um, doing amazing things like Marcus Peterzell at Passion Point Collective, which basically they brand themselves as a movie studio for brands. Um, you know, Mark Battaglia, the former uh, global creative director for Marriott. These are folks that that our that are our faculty, and and within Brand Storytelling Plus, that that experience is there. The content's always there, 365 days a year. But we offer these brand cohorts. We'll be launching another brand cohort in um, in. Q1 that's focused on purpose-driven brand storytelling. And, and that one will be sponsored by um, GoDaddy. And it is the same exact approach. So we have amazing faculty. Sarah Colmarino is from, she was 30 years at Johnson Johnson over corporate brand. She is the, the, was the tip of the spear for getting 5B, that film I mentioned earlier done. Um, but we have, we have others that are just amazing faculty that are, that are part of that. And then in addition to that, that's a that's a a portal that has a community of folks that are that represent brands that represent production companies represent agencies represent media publishers and the whole really the whole why of of brand storytelling is that we really believe that brand storytelling is the most powerful medium for brands to inspire engage and activate audiences for all the reasons that I said before you know if we're summing up summarizing what our why is 
you know, that's our why. And, and really our how is we're this community of brand storytellers, agencies, media partners, and production companies that have a deep expertise in the science and the art of what we're talking about. And, and the, the thing about this community that's so magical, um, we know we have an amazing event at Sundance here during, during Sundance. It's a sanctioned event at Sundance um, in January. We have a, our, our Elevate, um, which is a workshop for brands and production partners um, in the summer. And I, I like to call it our summer camp for 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 brand storytellers um because it, it feels i mean we're zip lining and stuff in the afternoon <laughs> and 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 uh getting to work in the in the mornings but um but but the whole the thing that, around this and humility being that superpower um this community we we all care about each other i mean we all we all want to see each other better because you know what there's not there's it's not a one or nothing world right abundance is everywhere we're not, you know, you have, this is where you have brands that compete at the same table talking about things that they're doing and, and, and sharing what worked, what didn't work. Like, because we're, we're all in a new space of streaming media and, you know, your Netflixes and all of the other streaming pluses that are out there. And, 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 and so we're all learning and, and the, the, the industry is all adapting at, at the same time. You know, and so we we deliver these these certifications within the platform. We deliver this community within the platform. We also deliver a whole bunch of IP around great case studies, great insights and analysis, um, not only that we produce, but that are produced and curated um, academically and industry. That's what's why the academic play is so important to us. Um, great interviews and then a library of amazing books um, that you can read that, that you can do, do a deeper dive in. So that that's my shameless plug for brand storytelling and the brand Not shameless. I, I asked for it. Yeah, so. you did. And I'm very, <laughs> pr I'm very proud of what we're doing. Um, so it, it's, we we've had, you know, this was originally when I approached Rick a couple years ago and I asked the question, what's the education outreach that you guys are doing? He said, and we haven't really thought about it. And in my mind, it was like, Oh geez, this will be like a graduate certificate at my university. This will be really cool. And what's happened just as any entrepreneurial path, which is never a straight line, is, is um, this has turned into a very B2B professional networking. Um, teams are sending their organizations are sending their teams to this to this portal, this platform for these certifications, education, insights, inspiration, all that stuff I mentioned, um, because this is a space that is is you know, you say brand storytelling is new. It's not, it's absolutely yeah. not. Um, but in our media world and, and how we consume media, this is, this is the medium that is going to be transcend all those different choices because it's entertainment and information that people want to engage in. And you're thinking about the audience. It's, it's not new, but historically it seems like that's all been part of big production companies. Now everybody has the tools and access to be a brand storyteller. So it's definitely a new, new landscape for sure. Chase, I'm interested in your thoughts. Well, I think what you just said is important, right? It's, and, and that's a big reason why brand storytelling and, and plus exists is democratizing this. This doesn't mean for just a big brand that can throw, you know, a ton of money to produce a, a, a sexy, sleek, you know, scripted or unscripted film. Um, you know, as Steven said, you know, I, I believe people are brands as, as well, right? And you see thought leaders and subject matter experts whether it's on LinkedIn or TikTok or a video, whatever, you know, 
telling telling their story, telling stories that inspire. And so um, that's what I'm interested in is how to put this in the hands of the many, of the most possible, um, so that it does change the game. It changes, steers us away from product and feature and interruptive driven ads that have diminishing returns into things that, you know, inspire people for change or to sure buy a product or service. Um, you know, but that's, what's exciting to me. And again, coming from an independent film background, I firmly believe that, you know, you can do, you can produce something beautiful on a shoestring budget and, and, you know, in 24 hours, if you really had to, um, it's a great incubator, quite frankly, for creativity with budget and time constraints. Um, so first is, you know, don't stop thinking of yourself as, oh, we don't know how to tell a story or we don't know how to produce content. You do. And, and as I mentioned, you know, there's frameworks to help get you there, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, Golden Circle and Start With Why is kind of, you know, that framework or story brand for unpacking and understanding that and, and customer journey. And there's some great books around it, you know, um, brands on a mission. And you can learn a lot from what what other brands and bigger brands have done um, and emulate for your own uh, organization. But, you know, it's like when you know, I'm starting out as a filmmaker in middle school, high school, making my first short film and you get this imposter syndrome, like, oh, this is going to be crap. No one's going to watch this. What am I doing? I mean, yeah, we all start somewhere. And is it, is it, is it, is it the masterpiece, the opus the first time out? No, not necessarily. But if you stick with it and you stick with the craft and you, stretch and train the, those muscles, you know, eventually there's something, there's something watchable. Um, but I'll tell you this is, is, you know, I, I get the fear around, well, my, my audience isn't going to like it. They're going to laugh at us. If it's authentic, that cuts through everything. Right. And we've seen this, you know, I, I was working with influencers in the dawn of YouTube, um, trying to make everything slick and cinematic and sexy and nobody cared. They just cared if it was real and authentic and they were vulnerable um, that was the story, not if it had, you know, cutting edge production value. So, you know, we've all got that. Um, if it's authentic, it's purposeful, it's driven, um, just go and do it. And, you know, yeah, reduce the barriers to entry. I love it. I love it. Chase, Steven, this has been an incredible conversation. Jim, I'll let you wrap it up, but this is, has been awesome. And I know you used the word inspired. I I'm leaving this conversation inspired. And, and I so I know your, that I want to see your brand film. I want to see your short film. Come on, let's go. I'm ready. To, I have a script for a short film that I wrote in 2005 that I wanted to enter into slam dance and I, yeah. and talk about imposter syndrome. I'm like, no, it's stupid. It's stupid. So I have it sitting on my shelf. Like one day I'm going to get over that and shoot that film. So we've all got one, man. We've all got it in the yeah. filing cabinet. Look, look, the truth is, and I've heard this from some, I've worked with some pretty prolific screenwriters and directors and filmmakers. And by the way, like, you know, uh, I think there's a great book, my first movie, and it's an interview with some of the world's foremost directors you know, Coen Brothers, Spielberg, Scorsese, and it interviewed trackbacks to when they were making their first film, they got their first film greenlit and they were all just like, fake it till you make it. I had no, what I would do, <laughs> what I was doing and, and no one would like it. And it's a dumpster fire. And it was so like refreshing to see that these Titans of film, they didn't know, they didn't know crap when they were starting out and that's okay. Um, you just got to start somewhere. Most screenwriters go through, 11 scripts before their first one gets bought so everyone's failing they're not talking about it you're seeing them when they have their name in lights but they've gone through the gauntlet just like all of us 
I love it. Yeah. So, I mean, th- this has been awesome. Um, I, I know we could, we could continue for forever, but definitely want to respect your time. So as we begin to wrap up for those of our listeners who are interested in learning more, <clears throat> want to, to know more, want to reach out, um, where can, where, where, where can they find you? Where can they reach you? Uh, so for me, my company is called Vanquish Media Group, vanquishmediagroup.com. Um, and, and as I mentioned, our mission is to empower purpose-driven people and brands to do good in the world and, and show them they can profit with purpose. So check us out, find me on LinkedIn, drop me a line. I'd love to kind of, you know, hear your story, help you craft your story, whatever it may be. But if I can get you feeling good about sharing that, dusting off that script and sharing what the world, what it looks like, that's a win. Awesome. Yeah. And same, I mean, LinkedIn for me, Stephen Marshall, you can find me brandstorytelling.tv is where you can find the, the community website and, um, and then you can find out more about brand storytelling plus there. It's a, an initiative that, that Chase and I, the, the plus platform we're partners on and it's, it's super exciting, uh, to, to see where that goes. And, we have, we have a, a metrics a mission where we're, we're working with um, Emory and also University of Florida, as well as um, One Minute to Midnight, which is an insights company, um, Forbes, and and then a whole bunch of industry folks that are really looking at how do we measure great brand storytelling. So those kinds of things are that how we progress in that research and look at that research is all happening within the Plus platform. Um, we have a huge diversity initiative that I'm that I'm hoping we have more. To, we have something we can talk about in 20. I know we will have something that we can talk about in 2023, but I can't talk about the sponsors for that yet. But the mission there is that we want to bring 500 diverse creators into our space that haven't necessarily had a path um, over the next three years. So that's something that we're we are dedicated to having and and making happen. And again, more on that maybe at, a, at another time. But um, Amazing to be with you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks to the audience for for listening. And and please, as Chase said, reach out to me, connect me. I like new friends, um, especially on LinkedIn. As long as you're not going to tell me about how you can fix the ETSU website, because I really don't <laughs> fucking care. I don't really don't fucking care about how you're going to fix the ETSU web, website. Um, I don't. I don't care. And so um, that's not that's not my job. Um, but but if you want to talk about any of the stuff we're talking about here, um, please reach out to me. Love it. Thank you, guys. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boot.